0: Hi, it's Alabama Annie with another episode of Stories and Songs for You. Today, it's only a story. I just couldn't come up with a song I'd already recorded or one I'd written for this particular tale. But it's an interesting tale. It involves a subject that many people uh, have followed over centuries, the Knights Templar. And it was taken from an article in a newspaper in Ohio in 1968, and it was written by a college student who followed uh, the story of four men in Canton, Ohio for a while and found out some interesting facts. For years, the four men had met at the corner diner for breakfast each Wednesday morning, sitting at the same table, ordering the same thing. They ordered coffee, a platter of bacon, and another of scrambled eggs, along with eight pieces of toast. While they ate together, their topic of discussion rarely varied from the theme that they had shared a common interest in since they were children. Some people thought it a fairy tale, that old story about the Knights Templar and their journey across the ocean to this continent long before Columbus or De Soto or Prince Maydug ever came this way. And of the treasures of the Templars were thought to have hidden away in places around this land, rare treasures that dated back to before the birth of Christ, priceless items that would indeed have changed the course of written history. The four men shared the belief that the Knights Templar had passed through their neck of the woods and that their connection to the ancient stone works found dotting the Ohio countryside and others to the southeast were only one of many clues to the truths the Knights had guarded so closely. All of this discussion between the four men had begun years before when they had often visited a very old man who lived at an estate at the edge of town that had been built, he said, by his great-grandfather, William St. Clair. Henry St. Clair had told them the story about the family name, claiming that the St. Clairs were direct descendants of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that his ancestor had come to this continent as a knight, a knight's Templar that he had come to protect the truth about the lineage of christ being eradicated from the church over time the old man told the boys the entire story about the treasures these knights had secreted away of how it had been carried across the ocean to this land in sailing ships he told the tale of how the knights had dispersed it in all directions across this land bearing these items to hide away and told the boys how the knights had left carvings and markings here and there on rocks and trees and other clues that could be followed. Each Saturday, when the boys had done their chores at home and were free for the rest of the day, they would race to see Henry and listen to more of his tales. Dreaming at night about hidden treasures and knights in white garb, one rainy Saturday, the old man sweetened the pot for the boys. He brought out a large book and laid it on the porch table, carefully opening the dusty cover as they all leaned in to get a better look. The book was ancient, very old, and the yellowed pages had grown brittle and brown with time, and the writing had faded. The book was filled with maps and drawings of all kinds written in some ancient hand and describing locations and places where treasures had been hidden and some of these, it appeared, were very near to where the boys lived. He read to them about gold coins and chalices hidden in the trunks of ancient trees and coins buried beneath the stone walls. The boys could hardly believe what they were seeing as the old man brought out something else to show them. It was an ancient oil-skinned bag, and inside the bag were thirty or forty very old coins, three daggers bearing the double cross, and a silver pennant with the likeness of the St. Clair standard. The foreman learned much from Henry and avidly pursued his passion with him, following him along winding paths into the forest, digging beneath rock overhangs along the river, and studying the lines of those maps in that old book with him but in their explorations, they didn't find any treasure to speak of except for some irregularly shaped pieces of aged copper and iron. They learned that Henry Talbert Sinclair had not always lived there in the old house at the edge of town. He had spent 40 years traveling the continents following the footsteps of the Knights Templar to his very own back door. He settled into his family estate as close as he could be to the end of the trail that he had followed for so long, focusing his attentions on the mounds and stone fortifications that surrounded him in the nearby countryside. When St. Clair passed away at the age of 92, he left the estate, the artifacts, and the book to the four young boys asking only that they protect the items from prying eyes and telling them that he had hoped they would pursue his lifelong quest and continue to search for the treasures, reiterating his firm belief that the trail had ended there. The four friends were now in their late 70s, and two of them had lived out their years at the old estate. They still spent their weekly breakfast at the diner discussing and speculating the secrets that Henry Tolbert and St. Clair had shared with them, but to date they had not uncovered much more than an odd item or two. When they were all in their fifties, they had been searching the site of the old stone fort at the edge of the river where they had found runes carved into several of the massive stones that made up one wall of the enclosure, and one of the men had unearthed the hilt of an ancient knife buried in the loamy river soil, and they had also found a few coins, some buttons from a Confederate army uniform, and a silver locket bearing the name of a woman. Over the years, their children had become interested in the story as well, and two of their sons had spent many weekends out the countryside with them, so the group was assured that the search would continue long after they joined Henry in that great treasure yard beyond the sky. It was a late spring storm, a late spring storm that blew in with a vengeance, as they will, with straight-line winds ripping up trees by their roots and damaging others, and it was when word got out that the wind had split an ancient cedar tree on Cemetery Hill that one of the men, Ed Parker, went to take a look. He was hoping to salvage a branch or two from the old cedar tree to make a walking stick with. As he approached the site, sad to see the beautiful trunk of the cedar so twisted and shattered as it was, that he saw a glint of gold in the bright morning sun, and he stepped closer. He peered between the fragrant splintered wood and the heart of the tree, its girth more than five foot around, and reached inside, touching cold metal. His heart raced as he wrapped his hand around the hilt of an ancient sword. He knew that this discovery must be shared with his pals, and so he raced back home and called them all, telling them to come to the cemetery straight away and asking them to bring a camera and some woodworking tools. And in just a while, they were all gathered there around that cedar tree, both amazed and in awe of the sword, as one of them snapped several photographs of it from various angles as it was nestled inside the rich red wood. With careful work of their hand saws and a chisel, they managed to remove the broadsword and laid it on the ground in the late afternoon sun. One of them said, I only wish Henry was here to see this. In honor of Henry, they called it the Tolbert Sword, and it was placed on display in the local museum, resting on a smooth bed of rich cedar inside a glass case. And the local news came to do a feature on the sword and the story of Henry Tolbert St. Clair and the four friends who had carried on his search. It was the talk of the town for years to come. So there we have it. You never know where you will find treasure. Um, I have never found any gold coins or anything rare uh, around the old home place here or in the surrounding forest. But that's not to say it isn't there. Because I guarantee during the Civil War and before that, uh, people who lived here hid gold. And they perhaps... Also, there is a tale of uh, old weapons wrapped in oil skin that were buried somewhere here within walking distance of where I live, but no one's ever found them, and who would know where to look? Everything has changed so much since then. Well, I hope you enjoyed this story, and if you're out taking a walk, take along your metal detector. Look in a creek bed. You never know what you might find. Till next time, it's Alabama Annie.